<laughs> Lord Chips don't let the salad win. That's the message uh, in terms of uh, nature of the food, maybe, that uh, we consume in Wales compared to the Italians. But it's the Italians who will restart. This is the Eat More Chips podcast. Grab your bag of chips, salt, vinegar, perhaps a battered sausage or a dirty pie, a bit of sauce cork on the side, and let's go! Hello, and welcome to the Eat More Chips podcast, the official podcast of one of the most recognisable flags in the Welsh football supporters universe. In the week where Prince Harry has been giving evidence as part of a civil case against a well-known news group, we have our own seedy journalists rifling through private correspondence and hacking their way to the new debts. It's Jamie and Daz. Gentlemen? <laughs> shumai, shumai. I, I, I wouldn't say hacking. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm struggling with the, mo- the majority of technology these days. So, um, you know, hacking through would not be my speciality. I think, Jamie, that's all you. Uh, no, I, hey, listen, I'm an expert at putting together shredded paper. I've done it many times over the years. <laughs> well, Jamie, there was a nice comment this week from Bush Taliesin, who said on Twitter, listen to the at Tweet More Chips podcast for the first time today. It's now part of my regular pod listens. Great coverage of Wrexham FC men's and women's sides and at Cymru, Wrexham, uh, sorry, at Cymru men's and women's football teams. Good chat about the new blue card system being introduced in Cymru. Uh, nice to hear stuff like that, isn't it, Jamie? Yeah, it is. It's lovely. Um, you know, I think, to be fair, we've only been going a few weeks, but we've, we have had some lovely comments and feedback. Um, I, I, I just want to shout out a little call, call though, to action. I'm one of these sad gits that, that looks every day at, at, uh, at if whether there's any new reviews or any any new comments. So please, please leave a, leave a nice review and a, and a, and a rating and, and subscribe and, and so it continues to grow because, I mean, we're enjoying doing it and hopefully people enjoy listening to it. Daz, did you enjoy the Irtha Stedford in Llandovery this week? Oh, scorching weather. Uh, quality entertainment, obviously, on stage because I have to say that because my daughter might listen to this. <laughs> uh, but actually, I actually know they were very, very good and I would actually say not that they were robbed, but I don't think they were placed as high as they should have been. What a travesty. What a travesty. travesty. How many, um, big question, how many bucket hats did you see at the end? Oh, this good. Week? Yeah, yeah. There was a good number of bucket hats, actually, uh, and at all ages, which is, um, and uh, and there was a good number of uh, stores selling bucket hats, because obviously in the good weather, you, you, you would imagine that... Um, it was prime opportunity to sell a few, uh, but it was uh, the Yes Cymru stand was there. And actually, what was it was a lovely stand there, which is all about the football museum, the new football museum that's uh, opening in Wrexham. Yes, that's right. Yeah. I mean, it's nice to see that some money's been put there. And I think it absolutely as the birthplace of football in Wales. Let's not forget that, shall we? Uh, yeah. It's important that uh, hey, well, let's 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 get the let's get the north south thing out of the way for a minute. For a nation, we should have a football museum. End of story. It's nice that it's in Wrexham. It's important that it's in Wrexham. But we've haven't we deserved to have a football a national football museum for many many years, haven't we? Yeah, but I think you know Cardiff gets too many things. You know, as as a resident of Cardiff, as I am these days, you know, I totally understand why the, the capital gets the backing and all the uh, the. Uh, 
you know, the majority of these things will always be hosted in a, in a city. Uh, and Cardiff's got so much to offer. I love it. You know, that's why I live there. But I'm from West Wales. You guys are from North Wales. There's a lot more to Welsh football than uh, than just Cardiff. Uh, and I'm sure Swansea, Wrexham, Newport and every other club all the way down the pyramid will uh, sort of argue their cases. So I think, you know, it's important. And and, and, and the birthplace of Welsh football uh, is, is there couldn't be a more fitting place, let's be honest. It's Sunday, April the 10th, 2005. A small moment of release is on the cards as Wrexham AFC play Southend United in the final of the Football League trophy that year, sponsored by LDV Vans. Behind the scenes, the club was in turmoil. Due to the appalling management and debts of £2.6 million, in December of 2004, Wrexham had been placed into administration and docked 10 points, putting us firmly in the relegation zone. Although we were battling, survival in League One looked unlikely. The one shining path was our trophy run that season, and we'd beat Notts County in Round 1-3-2, Stockport County in Round 2-2-0, a battling quarter-final win over our old adversaries Chester City at their ground, but we beat them 1-0, and a semi-final win versus Hereford United 2-1 to reach the Northern Area Finals. That meant we had to have a two-leg playoff versus Oldham Athletic, which we won 6-3 on aggregate and advanced to the trophy final. Jamie, first of all, before we even get to the final day, looking at that run and those teams... That was a really tough run that year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, there were there were some tough games in that run, um, but like you said, it, it was a welcome distraction from what was going on, um, you know, in, around the club and behind the scenes um, that that season. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, as with any cup competition and any run in a cup, you know, you're always going to have to earn it. You know, it's no, getting to a final and winning a trophy is never going to be given to you. You have to you have to earn it. Now I remember that of of those games, I don't remember many of the of the kind of lead up games apart from the Oldham one. But I remember the Chester one because there was a lot of media hype, as there always is whenever we play Chester. It was a bubbled match, I remember, and uh, it was on the Northwest News. The huge police presence. Uh, I mean, it's always. I mean, in general, it's always a big thing whenever we play Chester, isn't it? Yeah, I mean. You know, staunch Wrexham fans will will you know will will know. Um, it it is the rivalry for Wrexham, isn't it? Uh, you know, the Notts County one of recently, and and you know that's what a lot of new fans will know. But obviously, geographically, uh, historically, Chester are our nearest and closest rivals. Um, so, you know, as Rob and Ryan said in their mission statement. Always beat Chester. Should we ever meet them, uh, let's hope though that that's uh, not something we're going to have to deal with in the in the near in the near future. Because I'll be honest with you, personally, um, you know, I've got vague recollections of a couple of Chester games, and they're not particularly pleasant experiences. If if I'm honest, no. um, you, you know, the hostility in and around the the, the ground and things is, is not pleasant. And uh, you know, I'm all for banter between fans and things, but but that. That's a different level for me. So obviously, we managed to reach the LDV Vans final of that year, and uh, we'd managed to come up again with Southend United uh, from the southern section to play in the final. Now, due to Wembley being rebuilt, the trophy final was now going to be held at the then Millennium Stadium in Cardiff, which was great news for me and for Daz, as we were both living there at the time. Unfortunately, Jamie had to commute down from Wrexham, and he was joined by. 
20,000 Wrexham fans who descended on Cardiff that day, with the total attendance being 36,216. Jamie, before kind of kick off and actually getting into the ground, do you have, do you have any kind of particular memories about that day? Um, just just the general experience of it, because um, you know I, I've been fortunate enough to, to go to a few big games or I've been to a few big games over the years, whether it was Wales or, or, or Wrexham or, you know, I was lucky enough to be able to go to a couple of Premier League games for different reasons. But it was just that whole experience. And like I said before, given what was going on in and around the club at that time, it was such a welcome distraction. And, you know, like you say, 20,000 Wrexham fans back in 2005 and, hey, here's everybody saying we've we've only got, we only get, you know, we've only got fans in the last couple of years. You know, it was it was a it was a great fun day. You know, it was a great atmosphere around the ground. Um, I remember it was really hot. Yeah, because it was as I say, it was a Sunday. It was a really hot day. I remember that. I felt we. I felt Wrexham fans took over the centre of Cardiff because I remember walking through Cardiff towards the ground because uh, we were in the south stand, so yeah. away from the old Arms Park, and we were right in the middle tier, right on the front. So yeah. we had absolutely behind the goal prime seats behind the goal which was fantastic i remember it just has a massive you know gathering of wrexham fans it was just a like you rightly said it was a great atmosphere south end in blue will get us off and underway the 22nd football league trophy final the fifth the fifth in its current incarnation as the ldb in the fifth and final one here at cardiff millennium stadium we started um with Quite a strong side, I felt, um, of the starting eleven. So in goal was a very young Stoke Loney called Ben Foster, who uh, obviously we, ben Foster in goal. we might know who that was. And at the back then we had Stephen Roberts, a brother of Neil Roberts, Craig Morgan and the mighty Dennis Lawrence, the centre-backs. Carlos Edwards and Andy Holt on the two wings. Captain Darren Ferguson, Matty Crowell and Matt Jones in the centre of the park. And then up front was Chris Llewellyn and trophy-leading goal scorer at that time, Juan Ugarte, the Spanish wonder up front. Jamie, with everything that was going on and whatever, that was that was a really strong side, wasn't it, to put out? Well, yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you look back now and, and, like you say, there's some real quality in, in that team. You know, like there's some, some names there that, that are blast from the past that you, you forget how good how good a footballer they were you know like Juan Ugarte was was a was a brilliant enigma wasn't he he was something a bit special oh yeah um, I mean for me it's the likes of um, like Darren Ferguson because I mean for me he's up there as one of our all-time greats I mean I was lucky enough to, to obviously uh, you know follow Wrexham week in week out during a, that time when he played for us and such a good footballer he, he was such a clever footballer do you have any particular memories of just the first half at, at all I, I gotta be honest I, I I don't recall um you know massive massive um I you know I don't have massive recollection of the game you know minute by minute nervy I think probably is the is the one major thing I was really nervous I mean I don't know about you but I was kind of thinking you know we really need this and yeah I've I've had to look back at the match just to remind myself of any particular things so Stephen Roberts yeah uh, was injured 17 seconds into the game so he was clattered into by a South End player who and basically got a scrape down the back of his shin and he tried to play on but after the in the end he was limping for 14 minutes and eventually he had to be sub by Sean Pedgick so the fact that Dennis Smith had set up this you know system and he'd done training all week with these three centre-backs 
and then 17 seconds in, all that was thrown out the window. That must have been fr- so frustrating, wasn't it? I mean, there must be nothing worse as a as a manager, a coach. You know, like you said, you particularly for a final because you put you you put so much preparation in the le- the week leading up to it to 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 you know to tailor everything to win that one game, um, and and for it to be thrown out the window, it was very similar to to the story this year, wasn't it? When we played Sheffield United and lost mm. two backs within ten minutes, mm. and yet you have to be able to adapt and, and overcome and. And you know, I think sometimes on these special occasions, on these special days, you know, it it, it, it sets out the the strong characters that if you that you've got in your team and your squad and, and people to step up and and and, and you know uh, take take the burden. That first half, Wrexham dominated, although couldn't really make any kind of guilt edge chances and stuff. I mean, Carlos Edwards was putting in some incredible crosses from the wing as he as he always did. Um, yeah. But unfortunately, we, we, we just couldn't, you know, Chris Llewellyn and Manu Gatti just couldn't get, get onto it. Still forward. The only man forward for Wrexham is Ugarte, but it might be enough. Here comes a wonderful supporting run from Llewellyn as well. Ugarte wants to go himself, and he did have support. The move still goes on. Carlos Edwards back into Llewellyn. And Llewellyn shouts at the Spaniard because that was a wonderful chance and the best we've seen so far. And Chris Llewellyn is running down the other side and you're just thinking, square it. I remember him running towards us and I'm thinking, I can see Chris Llewellyn running towards us and I'm thinking, Wanugati, square it. Because you square it, he's going to smash it in. And for some reason, Wanugati got greedy and decided to try and have a go himself and completely mess it up. And that was pretty much really the best chance that I remember that we had in that first half. But we, I remember we dominated and they had a free kick on 41 minutes, which Ben Foster did a fantastic save. But I, I mean, I don't know about you, but I just seem to remember being on tenterhooks for that whole first half. Yeah, I mean, it was a very nervy affair. I mean, I, you said there about um, Foster making what that one good save. I seem to remember him making a, a, a good handful of of decent saves because you know he he, that was i mean remember that was the game that kind of um brought him to the to 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 the forefront if you if you remember um you know the put his performance in that game in particular um but yeah nervy it was it was definitely it wasn't a pleasant experience as definitely not i mean well as it got to the second half it got even worse you know became much more even south end was starting to come back into it we were starting to get less and less chances on goal 61 minutes south end had a free kick on the edge of the area which was saved by foster fairly comfortably in the end eastwood now through to gray good first touch this is wayne gray crossed into the middle bentley surely oh foster foils south end again well that is their best chance of the match well foster again magnificent made himself big stood his ground the final comes to life a chance one end and you can see from that because um darren ferguson's um dad mr ferguson senior man man new manager at the time he was at that he was at <laughs> that mr, mr. Ferguson. ferguson All right, alex, <laughs> alex ferguson was obviously at that match and uh, you could see that obviously you know ben foster you could see why he looked at ben foster and went i'm having that because that's Really, really good, and and Ben Foster's career took off from there. But they did look tired towards the end, and as it became more, we became more and more tired, and Southend became more and more tired. Heat of the day and everything, you could see it was kind of heading in the end towards a nil-nil after ninety minutes. At that point, Jamie, would you have taken penalties straight away, or did you want extra time? No, because I hate penalties. Um, I mean, ultimately, what other way can you finish a game? But I despise penalties. The the, the drama of penalties is horrible to watch, particularly if your team's in, in, involved. But uh, no, I would have. I would have quite happily have carried on and taken taken my chances in extra time. 
Um, I'm, I'm not a fan of penalties. No, no. Well, but I th- I remember thinking at the time. I think this is going to penalties, just because of the way that we played in the second half. We we become we become very leggy. You could see it. You know, um, a number of players were very sluggish. They were trying really really hard, but they just didn't have the fitness in their legs. And Southend were the same. You just felt it was going to be if they weren't going to do it in the second half by one kind of one moment by somebody who was going to take a goal. I just thought it was going to be penalties all day. Anyway, thankfully and gladly, I was proved wrong because in the eighth minute of extra time, Wrexham get a corner, which was debated at the time. But actually, when you watch it back, it is definitely a corner. There is no doubt about that. It comes off the South End defender, so it is a corner. Ferguson goes for the corner. He crosses it right in, pops it right into the middle of the box. The cavalry have arrived for Wrexham. Lawrence is in there. He leaps highest, and it's turned in. Well, it had to be, didn't it? The top scorer in the LDV Vans has given Wrexham the lead. Juan Ugarte. And is there a way back from that for Southend? Dennis Lawrence jumps up under pressure from two defenders. And just as he's going to head it, you can see Juan Ugarte, who's standing next to one of their defenders, but just in front of the keeper. He just does a step of about, I don't know, a couple of feet away, just to the side. And just at that moment, Dennis Lawrence heads it on to Agate, who is by then just unmarked. And all he does is just deflect it into the net, slightly off the defender, puts the ball past the keeper to score his 19th goal of the season and Wrexham goal 1-0 in the lead. I remember going nuts. I remember Daz going nuts. I was probably more worried about losing my hat. <laughs> yes. Because if you remember, I had a stupid jester hat That big jester hat you had, yeah. And like you said, we were sat right at the front. So I was probably more concerned about losing my hat. Well, obviously, by that point now, Wrexham had got the 1-0 lead, and you, you get the feeling that Dennis Smith had thought, OK, let's, we need to now protect the lead, which some people agree is the thing to do in extra time, some people don't. What, what's your feelings on that? You know, do, you go, do you go for broke, or do you go, well, we've got the lead, it's tired legs, let's bring on substitutions, which he did. He brought Danny Williams on for Mark Jones on the 10th minute, which is absolutely a defensive sub. And then he brought Dean Bennett on for Matty Crowell on the 15th minute. It's hard, isn't it? In extra time, you've got the, you've got the goal. I mean, Jesus, you, you, you know, what, what you probably should do is try and see the game out. But that's easier said than done, isn't it? And, and often you see sides trying to do that. And inevitably, the, the side that's now losing... Um, is going to put more and more pressure on. Um, I'm not a football manager, which so you know, I, <laughs> I don't know what's right and wrong in that scenario. Me, me personally, um, y- y- you know, I- I'd like to see, I like to see in that situation, trying to see the game out. But it's that's easier said than done. And uh, you, you'd, but you'd be brave to go carry on going gun ho to get another goal as well. It's it's a fine fine edge, isn't it? But anyway, we went in at the first half of extra time, one nil up. And you're thinking, okay, what do you do? But Southend, in the second half, they now start to push. They are doing exactly what they're supposed to do. They start to push for the equaliser, but that starts leaving space in midfield. They did have a, a, a free kick uh, on about 20 minutes, uh, which was saved by Foster. Again, they had no kind of real out-and-out um out and out kind of chances but again it was getting really leggy by this point you know you could see there were lots and lots of really really uh tired legs uh, from that point of view it was carlos edwards gets the ball 26 26 minutes so we're thinking okay there's about you know four minutes left plus the injury time um and you're thinking carlos edwards gets the, gets the ball and he's trying to obviously slow the play down a bit shields the ball a bit and he gets into some real argy bargy with Mayer 
while holding onto the ball, and they proper have a go at each other, which is which is really great. Get a yellow card; they both get a yellow card for their for their troubles. You think nothing of it. You think nothing of thinking. Okay, well, all he's doing here is just slowing the play down, doing the right thing, which is great. He takes the free kick. He pumps it all the way back to the other end of the field to Foster. Foster gets the ball. He pumps it all the way back up to the edge of the box to Ugarte. Looks like the side from the upper division will prevail. Llewellyn tapped away and followed in. Ferguson has definitely won it for Wrexham now. Darren Ferguson, his second goal in the LDV Vans trophy. And a smile from Sir Alex. The work is done. Wrexham are there. Ugarty then obviously sees Llewellyn just inside the box. He squares it to Llewellyn. Llewellyn shoots. So unfortunately, straight at the keeper, but the keeper, instead of hanging on to it, parries it almost to one of the South End defenders. And you're thinking, okay, well, the South End defender's going to mop up on this. I remember very distinctly because it was right in front of us. I'm thinking, oh, yeah, the defender's going to mop this up. And all I see is this blur of red and white as Darren Ferguson comes from nowhere, runs straight through the defender straight to the ball, gets to the ball before the keeper and the defender do, and smashes it into the net to to score Wrexham's second goal. And then he ran over to the sidelines right in front of us, does a forward roll of all things in front of us to celebrate. I mean, do you remember that? Now, I remember the very end bit of that. I remember him smashing the goal in, and I remember the forward roll. Uh, he probably waved at Mr Ferguson in the crowd. <laughs> senior. Um, but the Senior. But there's no way... There's no way you've seen ILO Git that you've remembered all that, so you must have watched that back. Because the way you've just described that was as like as if it was yesterday. It's possible I may have had to watch it back to remind myself. But well, that but that I last remember, bit I definitely remember. Yeah, I yeah, hundred percent. I remember him smashing it in and I remember that forward roll because no disrespect to, to uh, Mr. Ferguson Jr., but uh, he, he's not built for forward rolls. Jubilation, wasn't it? 2-0 two, two when it was done. I mean you know, this is kind of twenty eighth minute, you're just thinking, Well, this is it. But I just thought, I, I just, I don't know about you, but I just felt the whole of our side, and don't forget, we'd taken up the whole of one end of that ground. There was just a sea, an ocean of red and white scarves, hats, shirts, everything. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was just this huge sigh of relief. It was, yeah, it was relief. It was euphoria, wasn't it? Because we knew it was done then. And that, that second goal, just, just that, that was almost as if it was the same as... The referee blowing the final whistle, and it was jubilation. It was, and it was, you know, a great end to to, to a great day. Debts, uncertainty have clouded Wrexham season administration. Ten points deductions, but now Sir Alex can tell everyone that his son has won it for Wrexham. History is made at the Millennium Stadium. Wrexham's first ever major final and their first ever major trophy and Darren Ferguson who made his 264th appearance for Wrexham here has won it with his 27th goal Darren Ferguson was given man of the match which reflects the you know the 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 performance that he gave on that day I mean the thing is Jamie with everything that was going on in the background that we've talked about the fact that the club were in a mess behind the scenes everything that had happened you know fans marching you know club trying to be sold from underneath us all that kind of stuff how remarkable was that performance and that win do you think when you compare it to the season as a whole it was it was a brilliant achievement um you know to, to win any cup competition 
uh, like I said, it, you have to earn it. it it's you know, not, it's not given to you. So it, it was it, it was a, a very brief shining light in what was a crappy season. It was really crappy, wasn't it? And I I just want to take a moment to talk about Dennis Smith. Dennis, you've done it. Yep, very emotional, brilliant. Listen at them. They deserved it. They, they've stuck with us, they've worked with us. Hopefully somebody now believes we're a club worth saving. I thought it was a great performance, and I'm delighted with the lads. You know, they, they've done everything we've asked of them. Clean sheet, which we haven't been doing. We've worked a little bit the last couple of days, and we've got that sorted. But, you know, one scored again. And I was like, shall I bring Hector on? Shall I bring... The lad's gone and done it again. Great. I'm delighted for all of them. He, I think he's one of the, the greatest managers that Wrexham has ever had. I would not disagree. Um, I think he, he 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 played. You know, his teams played some some great football. I think to back up your statement and to give that some sort of credibility, you have to probably look at what ha- what was going on at the club at the time he was in charge off the field and then realise what he was working with. I mean, it was just. It's just incredible because he dealt with so much stuff behind the scene, behind the scenes. And when you listen to the reports afterwards and the things he said afterwards, how he managed to put up with all that kind of stuff, you know, Wrexham were the first team to, to, in the whole of the history of the football league to get a ten point deduction because of yeah. going into administration. So he had to deal with that as well. And if you remember, we actually made quite a scrap of it because in the end, we were only relegated by eight points. So yeah. actually, if it wasn't for those ten points, we'd have survived. Yeah. So with everything going on in the background, the fact that we we couldn't pay pay players on time, the fact that we couldn't pay our creditors on time, we were in massive amounts of debt. We had owners that basically wanted the land and weren't interested in the football club whatsoever. For him to do what he did with the resources that he had was just absolutely astounding, wasn't it? Like yeah, hundred percent. Like like we've said, it, 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 the summary you've given there of what was going on off the field—that's what you have to respect even more what he was doing with the teams and the players he was working with. You know, I think you've, you've, we've heard interviews from players that played for him and, and I've never heard anyone be critical of him. Um, you know, he was very much a, a, a man manager in, in lots of ways. You, you, you hear about how he was and it, it rings very um, lots of similarities to, to what Parky's like now or what appears that Parky's like now. I think they're cut from a very similar cloth. Um, although you probably need to stay away from him because if you remember, we saw him this season. He was at one of the games, and where we sit is literally just behind the director's box. And you saw him, and you shouted him, and I genuinely thought you were going to hurtle that wall and give him a kiss. Yeah. <laughs> to be honest with you, I, I just, to, I just I think, he, I, just, you. I just think he's remarkable. He really because to put up with like and like you said, but all the noise that's going around, it's difficult enough to manage a group of players. And try and make a successful team out of them, but with all everything else that was going on in the background that we knew nothing about at the time, or had an idea but didn't know for certain, and to do what he did, I just think was remarkable. Yeah, I agree, and I don't think you'll find a Wrexham fan that that, that wouldn't agree with you. Now the trophy is in position, and the winners prepare to accept it. Smiles have not exactly prevailed at the racecourse ground this season. Dennis Smith, a wonderful moment as he kisses the trophy. Karen Ferguson wondering where his medal is, I'm sure it will be forthcoming. 
Now on the Eat More Chips podcast, it's time for today's newspaper, tomorrow's chip paper, where we look at the news this week around Wales and Wrexham AFC football. First up, hot off the press. I wish they'd announced these things earlier in the week as it plays havoc with trying to do a pod, put it together and actually get it out when the announcement was made only about an hour ago. Today, Rob and Ryan have announced that the next season, the Mighty Red Dragons primary sponsor on the front of the shirt will be... United Airlines. Founded by Walter Varney in 1926, United are now one of the world's largest airlines with over 800 aircraft flying to over 50 countries. The headquarters are in Chicago, Illinois, and in 2021, they flew 104 million passengers around the globe with an annual turnover of $24.6 billion. Dollars, <laughs> making it the third biggest airline in the world. Money, this, money, 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 money. This obviously comes alongside the news during the heady heights of Rising Week that Vista Print sponsorship are moving from the sleeve of onto this year's shirt onto the very, very back. So United Airlines will be at the front of both shirts for both the men's and women's teams. Daz, let's get your thoughts on this one first. On what is, let's be honest, the worst kept secret in North Wales. Well, my feeling on it is that I've got no issue with an airline being the sponsor. <laughs> I okay. know where this is going. Because <laughs> okay. have you seen the images? Because yes. because I don't think they use the word airlines. No. I think I think it's predominantly the word United. Yes. Now, as a Liverpool fan, <laughs> this sits very uncomfortably with me. So you just got the word United across your. I mean, it's I. You're gonna, you're gonna struggle to keep me, you know. I, I, I don't know. It, now, it doesn't. Jamie, sit some, some, some people on social media have commented on this. Are you bothered by the fact that you have United across your chest? Not in the slightest. It could have said "screw you, Daz," and that would have been the same. <laughs> um, no, no, I, I, I'm not. I, I'm, I'm not. I think it's. Uh, I think what is interesting is the fact that it's, it's, um, it's a white logo because obviously I think the United Airlines logo traditionally is bullet on a blue background blue isn't it so I, I did i did have visions of it being like the old um uh ivor williams uh or ebor williams uh tra- trailers uh logo um but it's 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 nice that they've obviously allowed them to use it just in plain white uh interestingly and and uh, i i know you you started by saying about uh, them releasing news at the last minute literally as we're talking now the club have just tweeted to say that the, the shirt is going to be available for pre-order from the 12th of June. There's a few more pictures as well, so when we finish, you need to have a look because there's a better picture of the uh, of the collar. Well, speaking of, obviously, with, you know, with that launch came the first look at next season's shirt from Macron. And I'm going to do my best to do a Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen here, so bear with me. It is a classic red with a white round collar inlaid with a green and red piping, which looks like it has a small <laughs> break at the very centre of the neck. The chest of the shirt is embossed with partial stripes and Welsh dragons. The sleeves are a thick white band, again laid with green and red piping. At the bottom of the shirt is square cut with the bottom corners containing a small white inlay. Jamie, you like? <laughs> Why Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen? He did interiors, not clothes. I don't know. I couldn't think of. I couldn't think of anybody who I could do who would be <laughs> oh involved in fashion. God. 
I mean, what, what's, uh, what's like, your first? What's your first? I mean, obviously, let's just ignore the United bit for a minute. What's your first thoughts yeah. of the design of the shirt? I like it. Uh, I think you know, it's 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 uh, it's you know, it's not too too in your face. I like the the dragon embossments on it. Uh, yeah, that's the nice. Collar, the, the collar is quite nice. And now I've seen these fresh pictures, I, I like the collar a bit more. Um, the the whole Vista print thing. Uh, I think the. Um, uh, Tim on the Fearless podcast said this week that it's much better on the back because uh, it, previously it looked like a cigarette where the, the warning on a cigarette packet <laughs> on, on the sleeve which to be fair to him I thought he was spot on so at least now on the back um, it, it looks a bit better although interestingly where it's located on the back is normally where you would around where you have the name yeah. which, yeah. Is, which yeah. is an interesting one mm. um, so I don't know I don't know about that but uh, yeah no I, I like it I'm, I'm for me, I pre-ordered the black one, so I'm really looking forward to seeing the black one. I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? I mean, we're looking at the red version, the white version, and then the all-important black version, which nobody has had any inkling of at all. So, Daz, mm-hmm. if I were to buy you one for your birthday in October, would you wear it? Yeah. <laughs> With United across the front? It's 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 a weird one, though, though, because, you know, I, okay, so, so I've got two points on this, and, and genuine points. So the first one is United Airlines, and it just says United, so anybody who doesn't, un, you know, know or understand, as an advertising, I think that's, that's a very bold, confident statement that you see the word United, you immediately think airline. So I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm a bit confused by that. And secondly, though, I always thought TikTok was the the breakthrough, you know, contract um, that Wrexham allowed them to get, you know, their their name out there, their their sort of their their existence on the map worldwide. I was very surprised to see TikTok be moved aside so quickly. I thought that was such a breakthrough sort of bit of sponsorship. So I was intrigued. And I don't know if you guys think, you know, does it make any difference? Do you care? Because at the end of the day, the money's coming in, it's investing in the club and 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 and, and therefore the club will always benefit. But I, I just thought, you know, you've secured one of the biggest names in the world in terms of, you know, online entertainment, media, all of that kind of thing. And then and it must have been a bigger check. And I don't know what the money is. Do we know what the money is for the sponsorship? I tried and how long? to do some research and I can't find anything, but it's it's going to be serious seven figures, I think. Yeah, yeah it might be. In my best Dr. Evil impression, $1 billion. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's interesting to see when you look at the press and whatever, it, you know, absolutely, you're absolutely right about TikTok, uh, Daz. Uh, the, the issue at the moment with TikTok is, is that there are some rumblings of bad press around the name TikTok due to the apparent close links with the Chinese government. Uh, Fair enough. And Fair that, enough. I think, has probably spooked I would imagine some people behind the scenes. It's also about growing the brand, not forget. And it, with, you know, with, 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 you know, United Airlines being so big in the states. I mean, when you yeah. read that, when you read um, the comments from United Airlines Chief Communications Officer Josh Ernest, you know, he says, you know, the passion and perseverance of this team on the rise has captured the imagination of people in the U.S. and around the world. When Wrexham AFC players deliver even more heart-pumping moments this season, we couldn't be prouder than that United Airlines will be written across their chests. We're also excited to partner with the team and their co-chairman across social media and on the TV show as the incredible story of this team and its loyal fans continues to unfold. So, you know, mm. it also talks about the airline's loyalty customers will have special access to Wrexham AFC matches in the US and in Wales through its Mileage Plus exclusive platform. So you see there's a lot of interchangeable 
Yeah, raised yeah, brands. I, I like that. I do like that, and I, I hadn't thought about the Chinese connection, and I understand that there's that's that's that. But that that therefore reassures me that you've got ethical directors there. That at the at the whiff, you know, I would imagine TikTok would could have counter offered, or, or there might have been some issues. So the fact that they've gone, no, this is uncomfortable, and we've moved on. I hope that's the reason. Of course, it might be just that United Airlines check was bigger, but 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 I, there's there's a sense. I think you're right. Then actually saying that. Um, but um uh you know the loyalty for you know flying united i mean i must admit i never have i don't see myself flying with them so as a welsh based you know football supporter you know i, I there is an element of you know disconnect but then that's football these days you know it's everybody sponsors these days you know uh, are so, uh, an organization that I, I have no association with or ever going to need to use. So it's it's um it's the way of the world, isn't it? Well, it, I mean, it, it's interesting because it shows the the it shows the gulf at the moment where somebody tweeted. So it's interesting that Wrexham are now sponsored by a multi-billion-pound international aircraft company, and Newport are sponsored by a local carpet company. I think that I think that shows the massive gulf. Yeah. Within League Two. Yeah, but the, but the, and 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 on you know as much as it you you might have thought if I I liked the fact that Ivor uh, the Ivor Williams uh, branding was 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 the you know because that just felt um, regional it felt a connection it felt you know uh, a certain you know uh, just justified that that they were the sponsors for so many years. I think the thing is one thing I would say on that you you are you are spot on with that but I think one thing that, that I think is fair to say to the club to Rob Ryan and, and the other people involved is that I think they have done quite a good job of keeping the uh, you know I don't want to call them smaller sponsors that's not fair but keeping them the long standing local sponsors keeping yeah. them involved in the club but also trying to make sure that that they and the fans understand that for us to grow and go where we want to go and where they want to take us we we need this kind of level of sponsorship, you know, we're, we're talking about money that's got to go into the new stand and then further development of the stadium. You know, we're talking about buying and building a training facilities. You know, this is all going to cost a lot of money. The TST 7v7 $1 million tournament finished on Sunday with Newtown Pride FC beating SLC FC 2-0 to take home the prize pot of $1 million. Wrexham Red Dragons came top of Group E with three wins but lost in the first knockout round 4-3 to Conrad and Beasley United. Although a disappointing way to go out, Wrexham Red Dragons were the big success of the tournament with half of the sellout crowd indicating that they were there to support Wrexham. Jamie, what was your assessment of the tournament overall? I loved it. Uh, I thought it was a really, really uh, interesting, uh, you know, interesting setup. Um, I, I, I disagree slightly with your opinion that you could just do away with the forty-minute initial bit and just do the TST <laughs> bit at the end. Uh, I, I, it looked a very well organised event. Um, it, it, it was surprising. Some, you know, we were talking beforehand, weren't we, about Wolves and uh, West Ham and Dortmund and these big name clubs that we know and and what we what we completely overlooked was oh I don't think we overlooked it we did we did mention it but there were lots of uh, teams and players that are used to playing that kind of format of football yeah. you could just see from watching a few of the games but I think overall the tournament was it looked a, a roaring success it was really interesting the, the time the, the target score time thing I thought was was genius. And it created some really interesting 
moments. I mean, look at Wrexham's first game and, and, and we talked about it last week. Um, but yeah, I, I can see it being a long-standing tournament and, and you know, hopefully it'll continue to, to grow and, and it'll be, you know, we'll see it again. I just and love the fact that, that uh, you know, another Welsh team was able to win it though. You know, Newtown <laughs> don't, don't, don't achieve as much as they should really for the following that they have. I, sure I think as a Mid Wales, be... as a Mid Wales club and not possibly Aberystwyth's biggest rivals, you know, could I be happier for I them? I wonder what they'll spend their one million dollars on. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, because <laughs> that's the big thing in Newtown at the moment, isn't it? Pogs? No? Couldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, uh, you know, as we said, it's it's a very unusual tournament. Daz, do you see there being another one next year? I'd I'd like to think it needs more than one year to justify itself as as a format. I think if it's a one-off, then then it's a gimmick. You know, I do think. That it probably is going to have a second outing. I think it, it seems to have been popular. I think it, it appeals to a certain audience, particularly the American audience, where it's it's fast, it's furious, it's short games. It's you know, I don't want to say it's about attention span. It's more about advertising, I believe. But you know, it does feel um, that the the short games and and breaking it up into smaller sections appeals to that particular television audience and and the American audiences. So I can see it having a place in a broader world version of the game i i didn't see enough of it to be honest I, I i did watch the goals i watched highlights i saw um um swansea legend lee trundle um score four goals was it for Wrexham? was there was that what, yes, what it was? Did, yes yeah i mean he was a, it, he was a big success wasn't he jamie i yeah. mean as a as a character he stood out. I mean, they were calling him the Shaq O'Neill of TST, <laughs> yeah. which was, which was, a, it, and he was, he was a big, he's a big bloke. He's not, he he's a chunky yeah. lad now. He's got a lot of timber on him. Um, Lee, Lee, Lee Trundle, aka Hulk Hogan. <laughs> uh, yeah, but uh, do, do you know what? He, he, I mean, when when he was at Wrexham, he, he, you know, he, he's got that cheeky scouse personality, hasn't he? He, he, he always did have. He, he's very like you know bubbly and. And, and in a very short span over there in that tournament, that came across, and, and there were lots of positive comments about about him in particular, wasn't there? If we were to have it um, next year, would you see Wrexham sending a team next year? Yeah, um, and, and uh, for, for, for sure. I mean, from again, oh Christ, I'm doing the rounds advertising of the podcast here, but I was listening to this week's Rob Ryan Red earlier on, and they were interviewing the organizer of the event. Um, and he was talking about the fact that there'll definitely be another one next year. Uh, they considered it a roaring success. They considered Wrexham then the number one team they wanted there. Uh, and and he alluded to the fact they that, that, that they he'd already had a conversation with with Sean Harvey about Wrexham going again and being there again next year. So I'd say it's a certainty. Yeah, I think I think that's the thing though. It's it's the names you can at, uh, attract to an event like that to a tournament like that. You know, because I always, I always wonder how the shortlists ever get made when you see, um, you know, there was the Paris tournament, and then there's the Qatar tournaments, and then there's this North American tournaments, and the um, Singapore and you know South Asia tournaments. It, I, I know it's all about attracting the biggest clubs with the biggest following, so that you get your Liverpool shirt sales up, you get your international brands, you know, followed. But it says a lot about Wrexham that they are in the same conversations as these big clubs, um, and uh, and I think you know it's interesting that that if he if he has said that Wrexham is the is their top pick that that it does it does suggest that they've got one eye on that tv audience but 
I think as you progress through the leagues and and with the backing you've got, you know, there there, there is going to be this international following and intrigue. I think what what I what I took out of that comment more than anything else was I think it, it was a bit of an eye opener for me just how big of a deal Wrexham has become in the states. I mean, we've we've heard it, we've we've seen it. Uh, I mean, I, I I know you know we we know that there are some American listeners who listen to this podcast. I'd love to hear from some American listeners. Drop us an email because. It, 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 it's a strange thing, really, but I had a bit of an out-of-body moment when I heard him say about Wrexham being their number one sort of pick for this tournament. And and you look at the support that the Wrexham team got over there. It, it just, I think it's a lot bigger than we probably think it is. And and I, I, I mean, it's I, I, someone that you know, a, a local lad, and and I, I, I it's mind-blowing to to think that that's that's where we're at. This week, Wales under-19s are taking on Sweden in a double-header friendly, playing at the Leckwood Stadium in Cardiff next Thursday the 15th of June at 6 o'clock and then the following Sunday the 18th of June at 3 o'clock. This is a good chance to see the potential next Wales play as they hopefully edge close to qualification for a major championship. If you can't get down there, the matches will be shown live on Red Wall Plus. The squad includes Liverpool player Lewis Kumas, son of former Wales international Jason Kumas, and Cardiff City player Jaffet Matondo, brother of current Rangers FC and Wales international Rabi Matondo. Daz, although not everyone progresses from this level to senior squad, how important are these matches for Wales's future? Oh, crucial. I mean, I think I think we've all learned now over over the recent years that the the progression through the junior squads, the junior systems, the under 19s, whether it's you know even at club side, you know it's the under 23s or whatever. I, I do think development is crucial, um, but 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 not only for developing quality and strong young players. Uh, we we have to be very careful, and I think Kumas is a really good example where he is being touted by England as a potential um, you know senior international. You know, there's there's a there's a pull of loyalties potential uh, for somebody like him, and I just think that getting a really strong um, uh, under 19 sit- setup where they they they've got that family that spirit there's a, a belonging that will mean they want to play for the Wales senior side rather than potentially being drawn to uh, a bigger you know neighboring nation who I can appreciate are more likely to qualify for big tournaments more consistently but there is something about that unity that we've seen from the the young squad that Brian Flynn set up with the likes of Gareth Bale and you know and they've gone through you know the Ledleys the Allen than all of those people. I just think that if we can embed the mentality of Welsh football at that level, at that age, you're only going to see the fruits of your of your labour then um, in the senior squad in a few years' time. I mean, do you think we've got more clout now than a nation? Because it's always been a problem, hasn't it? You know, the, you know, the rumours, which I don't think were true, that Michael Owen could have played for Wales. You know, the fact that Ryan Giggs could have played for England, again, not true. He couldn't have played for England, so that was that's irrelevant. Um, do we have more clout now, nationally speaking, where we can hold on to players going up through the pyramids? Yeah, I think so because I think I think that you know we've all heard the tales of how we had to go and hunt for the players, you know. Whereas now they're they're volunteering, they're nominating themselves, they're they're stepping forward, they they want to be considered, and uh, and I think we do have more clout because. Our rankings allow us to be better placed in group qualifications. Group qualifications, I'm not saying they're any easier, but certainly being seeded helps you get through. We've seen that now in the in the, in the most recent versions of it. You know, so I do think that we are up amongst them and we need to keep keep building on that because it doesn't take 
much to to lose that momentum because there are plenty of big countries in Europe who are not qualifying for major tournaments at the moment who by definition with the volume of population you know the history of, of their game should be you know appearing at major tournaments whereas we as a little nation of three three and a bit million um, we we do absolutely punch above our weight but you know I think that's the momentum that we have to sort of um, hold on to. This week, Wrexham defender Jacob Mendy has been given a call-up to Gambia. The Wrexham defender admits he thought he was dreaming when he received his first international call-up, and the 26-year-old will be called to play, uh, face uh, South Sudan on 14th of June, and he could, if he didn't play in that one, actually make a debut in the Africa Cup of Nations qualifiers later on this year. Jamie, so it begins, you know, as we start becoming successful and as our players you know, start to reach the heady heights of success... Now suddenly our players become more of a target, particularly particularly to the international side. Are you concerned that we're going to start to lose maybe key players at key times because of this? Um, it, yes, a little bit, a, a little bit, because um, you, you know it's something that 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 could probably, possibly become quite a big thing. You know, because no disrespect to. You know, to Gambia, but obviously the, these kind of smaller nations where they 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 you know they'll they'll be looking at, at lower leagues around the, the world. Um, you know, if we've got players that are eligible for for these you know these types of countries, then if it you know it, uh, we we could potentially going to be without these players at key times. So it is a bit of a concern. However, from a you know personal perspective to 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 you know to Jacob Mendy, um, it's it, it's 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 incredible for him isn't it it's incredible recognition for, for you know for, for for what he's achieved where he's come the hard work he's put in as a professional footballer and you wouldn't begrudge anybody that so you know good, hey good luck to him uh, and if it you know if it means he misses games for Wrexham then we'll just have to deal with it that's why we've got squads and everybody in Gambia has just switched off because you call them a smaller nation so thanks for that I, he could have. Uh, he I, could have... <laughs> no, no, hey, I... hey, 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 listen, I, I, hey, I love Gambia. <laughs> <laughs> I want a t-shirt. I want you to wear a t-shirt with that on next week. Hey, because hey, I, I hey, love Gambia. I, hey, listen, I've, I've had two ideas in this podcast now, right? I've had two ideas for our first bits of merch. Before you talk about bucket hat, bucket hat, I'm seeing an Eat More Chips bucket hat. That's the first one. And now I want an Eat More Chips t-shirt, t-shirt with the Eat More Chips flag on the back. And I love Gambia on the front. <laughs> we can be head of our commercial arm with those kind of ideas. It's definitely going to be a sellout, isn't it? I mean, the good thing from my point of view is I've always found it difficult to get involved in the Africa Cup of Nations because I've never really had any empathy with any of the teams in there. Now I can support Gambia and uh, legitimately yeah. say can you imagine, Gambia are can my you, team. Can you imagine me last year with Mo Salah versus Sadio Mane? I was, oh, yeah. I was torn, mate. That was torn. bad, man. That was bad. At today's annual general meeting, EFL clubs voted to approve several changes to the EFL regulations that will come into effect immediately. But the one that really sort of caught our attention and other people's attention on social media is that the EFL will introduce a multi-ball system in all of its competitions from 2023-2024. Match balls will be placed on cones in designated areas at pitch side to help increase the time of the ball being in play. Meanwhile, clubs will no longer be permitted to use towels or other articles, including including items obtained from spectators to dry footballs during matches. So, Jamie, goodbye to the toes of towel. Yeah, OK, we can't use a towel, but there's got to be a loophole in it somewhere. Um, you know, if if we get 
um, if we get strategically placed fans at the front in the front rows around the stadium uh, with an extension lead and a hairdryer, they haven't said you can't have that. Um, I, I mean, for, for me, I'm I'm thinking obviously, uh, and he does it himself sometimes. Anyway, it's like the inside of his shirt. I mean, the, what are they going to do if he does that? The, the referee going to blow his whistle and say, "Oh, here's a yellow card. You can't do that." You could sew you could sew in some. Uh, you know, Terry Towling, Terry Towling, <laughs> on the inside of your T-shirt. I don't think they can stop you from doing that. He's just got to wear it for the whole kit. match. Can you add an optional extra to the new t- shirt? Get well, the thing is, in, in rugby, in rugby, they were like, you know, when All Blacks had like, a, you know, like almost like a, uh, the opposite of anti, uh, you know, um, a slip, you know, it was a slippery material so that it made tackling really difficult, and not that you need that against no, the All Blacks. No, you've got to but, catch him first but, before you can. But exactly, him. and then they also then put on sort of like grippy stuff on the front so that they, it would hold the ball. Close, you know. So there's nothing to say that you can't adapt your 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 shirt to the sport or to the act, you know, to, to benefit you. I and I've never seen anything written in the football rules that you can't have that. So a bit of toweling on the underneath, and go for it, mate. That's that's contra- That's controversial. That that's controversial. I'm I'm just thinking like the inside of his just the normal inside of his of his t-shirt. But you've gone a whole other level there. You, you know, he's now going to have a tea towel sewed to the inside of. Well, this will yeah. add to I'm, your merch I, I, ideas. Read more chips stuff. Yeah. You could now have. I love Gambia. <laughs> I think, I mean, at the end of the day, if they ban the towel, they ban the towel, and that, that is what it is. But, um, you know, I can't help but think that they're just drying it on the inside of his of his shirt. Because he, he does that at away games, doesn't he? Because um, the, 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 the obviously at home games, it's tr- historically, you, the ball boys have had a towel for him, but you haven't had that at away games. So he's had to just improvise and use his shirt. And I, I can't see that they're going to stop that. So, uh uh, yeah, uh, long may it continue. But just, uh, I'm just going to go and get a pen and piece of paper, and make a note of that um, uh, uh, that little merch idea. So, not really news, but a bit of an editorial. Wales have a home match next Friday, played as most Wales men's senior international football matches in recent years have been played at the Cardiff City Stadium in our nation's capital. Our national side over recent years succeeded way above what would be expected for a nation of 3.1 million people reaching two European Championships and one World Cup in the last seven years. We as Welsh football supporters may have our differing opinions, but as proud Welsh citizens always get behind the team and want to express this by buying tickets and watching Wales play live. As a football-loving nation, all Wales supporters deserve the chance to attend a game and show how much we love our country and our players. However, as has been the case for a number of years now, Supporters from many parts of Wales don't get the opportunity to attend Wales games due to the poor state of our nation's transport infrastructure. As is the case on Friday, no special services are being provided for supporters from all corners of Wales to make the long journey to Cardiff. Trains that are already crowded with everyday commuters will be even more so, and there are no late services provided from the capital. The last train to Wrexham leaves at 9 minutes past 10 from Cardiff Central Station, which means North Wales supporters will have to leave before the end of the game to have any chance of getting from the stadium to the station. The road from south to North Wales has been identified as an issue for a long time. Not being an expressway entails an eight-hour round trip from one end of Wales to the other. We as fans are realists. I'm lucky, as I only live an hour from Cardiff. We are not asking for something unrealistic and unaffordable, but it says something that in a new century where we consider ourselves progressive, we have to look to the last century for things like football specials that used to be run to provide a service for supporters as something we should be aspiring to. Both England and Scotland understand this, 
and are a lot more receptive for getting fans to international matches. During a cost of living crisis, we as fans already have to watch the pennies. We can't afford to stay in the capital or take days off work because we can't get home after a match, and having to pay extra for using personal transport isn't always a viable option. In fact, from a climate point of view, thousands of individuals using personal transport can't be a good thing for our environmental footprint. So, this is a call from the Eat More Chips pod, reaching out to Dawn Bowden, MS, Deputy Minister for Arts, Sport and Tourism, Lee Waters, MS, Deputy Minister for Climate Change, who is also responsible for transport in the Welsh Assembly Government, James Price, Chief Executive of Transport for Wales, and Noel Mooney, CEO of the Football Association of Wales, to open a sincere conversation on what can be done to help Welsh supporters attend home matches irrespective of where they live in the nation, by coming up with a sensible public transport strategy that will show we, as a nation in its own right, value our supporters and want to help. Daz, we are fortunate because we live closer. Jamie, you live in the in the you know in, in North Wales. Daz, let me ask you first. You know, what are your feelings about this with regards to enabling fans to get to watch matches if they don't live within you know let's say an, an hour's radius of the capital? Yeah, no, I, I hear you, buddy. I, I I mean, obviously, I have completely benefited from the Cardiff monopoly of of the games, and uh, as as a as a as a citizen of Cardiff, as a, that's where I live, um, I it, it works for me. So completely selfishly, um, I can't you know I can't fault it because I make every game, and it doesn't matter if I'm working. I can literally run away, you know, uh, grab the youngsters, take them with me, whatever I need to do. It works for me. But I absolutely sympathise, and I regularly meet up with my North Wales and West Wales uh, friends and and fellow fans, and understand that it it is quite the journey. In the same way as as I would be daunted about trying to get to the race course to watch a game of an evening, because unless the games are at the weekend it's it, it does make it you know really difficult to go and and you know the, the the transport issues are shocking i mean as somebody who does travel around wales i'm totally aware of, of of its failings at every level and when you've got a major event like this you'd think that there would be a way of putting on the extra extra you know the extra services because um on a, on a rugby match day there are, you know, plenty of extra services going from the valleys down to Cardiff. Although I would still say that there's not enough. There's usually two, three carriages when there should be four, and they're crammed and it's hideous. And anybody who's local stays away from town because, you know, it's 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 a horrible place to try and get in and out of when you're trying to share the public transport. So I'm completely sympathetic with all of that, and and. I, I, I take issue with some of the issue about comparing us to England because they generally don't, they tend to use Wembley more often than not. They have used other grounds, but I sympathise to most English fans because Wembley is a horrible ground to get to mm. anyway. So I think the reason why um, a lot of English fans like the idea of it being played elsewhere, because it's just anywhere but Wembley is probably easier to get to. It's a, it's a terror, you know, I've, I've done the journey myself a couple of times, you know, it's, it's not an easy ground to get to. So it is a very difficult comparison to make, but they do have decent big grounds in Old Trafford, Anfield, St. James's Park, you know, in the north, which means that they can have a decent crowd. I understand the FAW are probably trying to maximise their sales as much as they can. And obviously going to the race course would be a reduction, no matter how much, you know, the investment is at the moment. That will change. I can foresee that changing. But 
But being in Cardiff or Swansea, bigger grounds make sense. It does, be, you know, there was that question about whether it should be back at the Millennium Stadium. Sorry, um, Principality. Don't like that name. But anyway, Millennium Stadium. Um, but, you know, the intimacy and the, fee, you know, and the, and the, and the home ground feel of the Cardiff City Stadium is amazing. Um, so I can see as a business, they want to capitalise on getting as many people in there as possible and going to a smaller ground would obviously impact that now jamie you, you know you live in wrexham or you know or, or you you know you live very close to wrexham i imagine the travel uh puts you off wanting to go and see wales it, it's a massive factor um you know forget any you know any other sort of commitments or, or, or things planned it, it is it is a huge barrier because as as you've alluded to, to 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 do it, you know, in a, in a in a car makes it a, a, an incredibly long round trip. Um, so the the lack of um, public transport um, is it make makes it a a very difficult slash impossible um, decision to be able to to attend or try and attend Wales games, and I you know. Can it be improved? Of course, it can be improved. Should it be improved? Of course, it should be improved. Will it improve? I don't know. I'm, you know, I, I'm a little bit pessimistic, and I, I'm, I'm clinging more to the hope that, that you know, we can bring international games back to the race course in, in, in the not too distant. Because I think that's probably a more, more of a way that, that 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 us in the kind of north and and the northern half are going to get a look in at it. I think because. It's been like this for quite a while now, hasn't it? But it, but it's a broader conversation, like you said, about infrastructure. Full stop. You know, I you know visiting family, going to see, um, you know, whatever. You know, trying to use public transport. You know, my my daughter used it only the other day to get to Aberystwyth. You know, it's there aren't any lines. You know, the lines don't make sense because obviously the the landscape of our country makes it very difficult. But then you you know historically, when you then have um, certain routes closed down, you know, but the railway system is improving. I understand that South Wales Metro. And I, I hear the irony in my statement here right away, where it's South Wales that the, the investment is is being focused, or <laughs> one of the major focuses. But but that is a massive investment, and I I you know I understand the the percentage of population are going to benefit it from it. So for your value for your buck, I I, I I totally support the Welsh government because I just think it needs improving one way or the other. Just get it done, get improvement. I mean, I do know plenty of North Walesians who do travel so you know when 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 there's something worth investing the money in to see because i i completely sympathize with a somebody who i know who travels from canarvon every you know home game and if you're traveling the whole length of wales and every game you're expecting to lose because we were that bad at the time, that's got to be soul-destroying and you just can't see yourself. It doesn't make sense to invest your money in that way. I guess now the, 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 there's genuine optimism. There's, you know, It's not even hope. I don't want to say the word hope because we know we can compete. So actually, come down for a good game of football. Of course, the journey is far more palatable. But for a long, long time, there were people traveling for, you know, for, you know, lots, a lot of money, a lot of effort and a lot of, uh, you know, sacrifices in terms of family or work or anything just to make the journey to be on time for the game. And they were doing that when the game, when we weren't likely to win the game, when we weren't uh, at our best. And, you know, and I think there's a lot of uh, fans who have deserved the right now to have 
the chance to be rewarded for that loyalty and the game should be in North Wales. I do absolutely agree that it should be in North Wales. I can understand, though, the FAW's position of making, making it difficult. But I would I would also say that the... Um, the, the the season ticket is one of the reasons why the the games sell out so brilliantly well you know the, there's a um there's a massive drive to get fans to commit to all home games that way they know what their sales are they've made the sales now if they move around well even to swansea to Llanelli, to 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 wrexham to you know you know wherever in the country if you don't have them in the same ground it's very difficult to sell a season ticket so i think there's a lot lots of factors that that they would have to completely sort of reinvent their their strategies to to sort of be able to deliver i mean i think i think the, what you're saying though simon is that all wales games should be played in Aberystwyth at park avenue <laughs> and then and then everybody has to travel i mean you know i i hear you and Can i you i'll, I'll I'll uh, sign that petition, mate. I'll we, sign that petition. We wouldn't Don't just worry. be travelling in distance. We'd be travelling back in time, back to the 19th century. It'd be brilliant. You're welcome. You're welcome. Come, <laughs> come, the, come, join. The, there is, there is one solution. I, I know a, I know a, a North Wales football club that's got a connection with an airline. Um, maybe we can look at some, <laughs> some, 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 some chartered, chartered flights. Maybe you know. So part of having a podcast is to discuss topics that interest us as supporters of Wrexham and Wales. And so in this next section, I like to call The Mass Debate. Following on feed, and I, I don't know how long I worked on that. That was brilliant. Following on with Twitter feed. Wait, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. There are three of us on this podcast, and I certainly didn't approve that. <laughs> anyway, get, getting back to the mass debate. Following on from a Twitter feed from our friends at Fearless and Devotion Podcast, and if you haven't listened to it, by the way, it's a must for all Wrexham fans, so go and listen to it. They tweeted, at what point does Paul Mullin become an all-time Wrexham AFC great? And Craig Jones replied, I think even if he left tomorrow, he'd still be talked about in years to come for what he's achieved. Yes, it's been in non-league, but for me, he's up there with the likes of Carlos Trundle Morel already for how much he's loved in just two seasons. So it got me thinking with all this in mind, and I set Jamie some homework. So you're welcome, Jamie. And I asked him the following. I said, can you rank these 10 players 10 to 1 as the most influential players in Wrexham history? And those 10 players are Paul Mullin, Gary Bennett, Carl Connolly, Andy Morell, Dixie McNeil, Joey Jones, Mickey Thomas, Lee Trundle, Darren Ferguson and Brian Flynn. And these, this ranking should be based on the following things. The importance to the club achieving success, service to the club, how much of a fan favourite they were, and their place in club history. Now, there were some rules that I put in. So those 10 players were chosen because I was only looking at players that were within mine, Daz's, and Jamie's lifetime. So nobody before 1980 was considered. And I know there are lots of players who were in the 70s who you know we would consider to be club legends. But just for the for sake of this, I've not considered anybody before 1980. They must have played for the club. So, unfortunately, Dennis Smith isn't in that list because he never played for us. He only managed us. And the player must have been involved in either a promotion or a cup win. Hence, those 10 players. 
So, Jamie, starting from number 10, in what order did you put them and why? Before I get into this, when we started this podcast, right, A, I didn't sign up for weekly homework. There was no mention of weekly homework. I left school 25 years ago. And two, why are you giving me homework and asking me questions that's likely to get me dog shit sent through the post when I give my answers? Because you're my brother and that's my job. Just because I got the looks and I got the brains, this is no way of getting back at me. Hey, Daz, did you you hear my comment? Did you hear my uh, thing at the beginning? The mass debate. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Uh, That's quite funny. Uh, And I'm also just simply enjoying the uh, brotherly rivalry. It just unfolds in front of us all. Um, So continue, please. Do not let me stop you. Okay, so so, box full of dog shit on standby, Jamie. Who's at number 10? Okay, so number 10 from this list you've given, I've gone for Lee Trundle. Uh, and the reason why I've put Truns at 10th out of this list is, uh, you know, look, some of my fondest memories of that promotion winning team. And, and I've got some, you know, some of the skills that that, that, that Trundle uh, displayed, as we saw in the, the seven aside tournament. <laughs> he was he was unplayable at times, an absolutely brilliant player. Um, but just purely on the basis um, that, that he, you know, he was only with us for a relatively short period of time. Um and from that list you gave me, I, I put him tenth. Okay. Do you, do you resent? Do you resent the fact that he was only with you for a short time? Because of course, I, as much as I don't want to antagonise the situation, but he did very well at Swansea. You're going to do it. I You're going to say it, aren't you? You're going to say it, aren't you? But Listen, you know, I mean, the thing when, is, we when... we don't know what went on in the background, and I would imagine yeah. I've, I've never heard the full story with regards to whether Lee Trundle would have stayed if he was if the club wasn't in such a mess. Yeah. If yeah, there's also I've I have heard a story from from that that scenario that it that there was a bit of a standoff over contract. I think he felt he after the season he had he deserved uh, not 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 so much a better contract, but but uh, you know a, 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 um, a little a more slightly more lucrative than what the club were offering him apparently. But mm. I guess you know we, we'll never know that for sure. Um, I was gutted at the time when he left because that season the promotion season. Uh, I mean, I've got such fond memories of him, Morel, and and Carlos Edwards in particular. Those three at times were yeah. just ridiculous that yeah. season. Um, but but yeah, I, I you know of, of the list I was given to to pick from for me, he's he's number ten. Okay, number nine. So number nine uh, is is Andy Morel. Um, you know. Uh, hopefully he he, um, he 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 won't listen to this. Uh, he's before, never speaking uh, he speak to us again. Is yeah, it, let's be honest. Yeah, no, no. Um, um, again, sim- similar, really. You know, he he. Okay, he had a longer spell at Wrexham, uh, and obviously was was a manager at Wrexham as well. And and you know, before um, before the last season, and, and finally getting the promotion, obviously was in charge when we came closest prior to that. Um, but but again, you know, basically the criteria you gave me was just impossible to to try and you know you know pick pick this list was was such a difficult list to pick. So for for me, I've put him ninth, slightly ahead of of, of Truns because uh, I think he he probably you know he, he contributed more to Wrexham as a club, um, you know, in his playing career and and obviously as a manager a bit later on. But uh, you know, very deserving to be in the top ten. But yeah, number nine for me and number eight. Uh, number eight, uh, again, then this is where I'm going to start getting abuse, isn't it? Uh, number eight, I've gone with uh, with Brian Flynn. Um, 
uh, you know, again, you, you put a lot of emphasis on this about the playing side of it. Um, and, and obviously for, 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 for us as a Wrexham player, um, you know, yes, he spent several years at Wrexham and he made, you know, over 100 appearances. But I think most, from my perspective, my, my memories, if you said to me, Brian Flynn, you know, three words, what's Brian, you know, I, I'd be using words, manager, uh, you know, that to me would be uh, my my recollection of Brian Flynn and the contribution to to Wrexham, what he did at Wrexham was more from a, a managerial perspective than a than, than than his time playing. But that's just a personal opinion. Um, but I, I think overall, collectively, for what he did whilst he was at the club, because he, you've got to remember he was instrumental in uh, Collier's Park and the academy, um, you, you know, the youth the youth academy and, and things like that. And you can't you can't overlook you know unfortunately it, it it obviously dwindled away during the the bad years didn't it but at the time and 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 you can't overlook that the contribution that that, that made you know that made number 7 so number 7 is uh dixie i've gone for that number 7 um you know for for me obviously i'm uh you know, I, I'm I'm the the youngest uh, of, of of the three of us. Uh, you know, just just saying. Um, so I don't have a great, I don't have a massive recollection of of, of Dixie playing for Wrexham. Uh, obviously, I, I I've seen the stats, I've seen the footage, and everything else. But I think from the point of view of, of focusing on the, um, you know, service to the club, a, a criteria, uh, importance of the club, uh, place in club history, I think. He, he probably pips uh, Flynnie uh, and 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 is and is in there at uh, uh, number seven. Number six. Number six, uh, Darren Ferguson. Um, I think uh, I, 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 the reason why I've put him in there was you know he uh, you know he played over three, you know through well over three hundred games for Exxon. Um and I think when you hear uh, Brian Flynn talking about. Uh, when he brought in Darren Ferguson and, and having him in the team, you know, he talks talks quite openly about the team being built around Darren Ferguson. He was that good of a player. He just didn't have the, you know, he didn't have the pace, but but the, the football ability of Darren Ferguson was out of this world. And I think, you know, if you're ever having a debate about, um, you know, pick picking a, a Wrexham, the best Wrexham team over the last 20 years, he would be in most people's teams, you know, even with the current squad, he, he was that good. He, he was, um, you know, he, he, when, at his time, he was a, a leader on, on the pitch and, 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 you know, was, was in his time at Wrexham was instrumental. Number five. Number five is Mickey Thomas. Um, so I've put Mickey in there. I mean, he obviously arguably is responsible for the most iconic Wrexham moment to date. Um, you know that free kick against Arsenal. That game is probably is probably the 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 oldest memory I've got of watching Wrexham. Um, you know, will that will that ever be surpassed? Who who knows? Um, but you know, the the, the guy's contribution over um, you know over over two spells at, at the club, and then what he's you know you know the, the, almost an ambassadorial role um, for, for for Wrexham and and. Over the years, uh, it's, it's, it's been second to none, um, and, and I think you know he, he's deserving of his place. And number four, number four is Gary Bennett, psycho. Um, I, I, you know, again, he, he, 
he had a relatively short time uh, at Wrexham, two two spells. The second spell was very short, but but a relatively short time. I think it was three seasons. But the 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 um, the, the scoring record he had is ridiculous. It, it is ridiculous over that those three seasons, the seasons, the amount of goals he scored. But I think the reason why I've put him, uh, the reason why I've put him uh, in, in in fourth spot is is was was focusing really on that uh, on on the um, fan favorite element of the criteria because he he is so many fans' favorite player because he he was Wrexham you know he had to overcome the fact that he was previously played for Chester which obviously is. Uh, bleep that out, will you, please? Um, <laughs> yeah, that's like a swear word. Um, <laughs> you know, he 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 obviously had to overcome that. I mean, that that was a massive hurdle in itself to to obviously be accepted, if you like. And what better way to 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 do that than than to do it on the pitch? And just everything about him, he was he was aggressive. He was you know he, he determined, and and he succeeded. And uh, yeah, I, I think. You know, there's a, there's a certain player that I'll mention in a minute who's 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 pushing him very close. But at the moment, I think obviously he's uh, he, he he is yeah fan favourite for sure. Number three. Oh man, this is where it gets really difficult. Number three, I've gone from from Moles, Paul Mullen, um, and I I'm sure I'm going to get lots of you know what for 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 this potentially. I think some people who agree with me, some people will probably. Uh, you know, very strongly disagree with me. Um, I, I, oh, his record is again like with Benno. His record is incredible. You know, look at the amount of goals he scored in the last two seasons with us. The season before us with Kingbridge. You know, he's continued that on. But the reason why I've put him in in third spot um, is not just because of what he's done on the pitch, which is you know is second to none. It, it's it's the fact that he he embodies for me. Everything about everything's good about our club, pride, passion. He gets Wrexham, and Wrexham gets him. And I think he is on course to become arguably the the, the greatest ever that we will have seen in a Wrexham shirt if he carries on. You know, obviously, let's hope that the journey continues for for a few more years, and he carries on doing what he's done the last couple of years. And I think he will cement his place as as a, a legend if he's not. You know, if he's not already, but uh, yeah, I've put him in in third. And number two, number two is King Carl Connolly. Um, f- again, f- for me, uh, um, an underrated. I think in some in some ways underrated. I don't think he was ever underrated by Wrexham fans, but I think outside of of Wrexham, uh, I think he was a little bit underrated. Um, you know. He played. He played over three hundred and fifty games for Wrexham, um, and he he had it all. He, he he had it all. He he was quick. He could pass. He could shoot. He could head. He scored goals. He could assist. The only thing I never saw him doing was going goal, but I'm sure he could have done that as well. Um, you know his 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 background of how he how he how he was discovered and how he came to the club is is, is fascinating. The fact that he was basically playing 
Uh, I, I, it always makes me chuff, chuckle that he was playing for for a, a, a you know a Liverpool league side called Napoli, which I always 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 makes me always makes me chuckle. But uh, you know, working in a chippy and and he he got spotted and he was given a trial and and I think again I think if you listen to to Brian Flynn talking within ten minutes of of seeing him in a in a practice game, he 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 knew he knew what he had, uh, and and he never looked back. And uh, yeah, I think. Again, he he is the king, isn't he? And I think he's 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 deserving to be certainly up there in the in the top three for me. So that only leaves us one player at number one, and that player is the one and only Joey Jones. Uh, yeah, for me, Mister Wrexham. Um, you know, I I've said a few times on this podcast, my favourite Wrexham player of all time is is Carlos Edwards, and that's just purely because when I played football badly. I I I was always uh, I was always uh, tried to be a show off. I was always trying to do the tricks and things, and and that's what I liked about Carlos. He was he was aggressive, and he was uh, he was he was direct, and he he liked a trick or two. But Joey Jones is he is Mister Wrexham, isn't he? I mean, you know, uh, two spells, sorry, three spells as a player. Um, you know, well over three hundred and fifty games. Every time he crossed that line. Every single time he crossed that line in a Wrexham shirt, he was, he, his passion, his pride, his determination, you know, and he did it, he did it at the highest level as well. He did it for Liverpool. He did it for Chelsea. He did it for Wales. You know, he he was um, just for me, the, the, the absolute, the absolute best. And I think when I looked at the, again, I look at the criteria that you gave me, importance to the club. Well, you know, he 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 is, isn't he? Uh, achieving success, you know, he he had success um, throughout his career. Um, service to the club. Well, if anyone wants to argue that that, that Joey Jones hasn't hasn't served the Wrexham, then then they're wrong. Um, fan favourite, you know, show me where you want the statue because you won't find a fan that will disagree. And placing club history, well. He, he will be there, won't he? He, he will be there for, for for forever. So just you will just run that down, do that down again. So at number ten, Lee Trundle. Number nine, Andy Morrell. Number eight, Brian Flynn. Number seven, Dixon McNeil. Number six, Darren Ferguson. Number five, Mickey Thomas. Number four, Gary Bennett. Number three, Paul Mullin. Number two, Carl Connolly. And number one, Joey Jones. Daz, how are you delighted are you to hear that Liverpool stalwart Joey at the top of that list? Yeah, I mean, of course, of course, I, I absolutely endorse that. But I mean, he was a legend. I mean, as much as my affinity to Liverpool was always going to skew that one, uh, he 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 is a Wrexham legend. He and and I hadn't realised uh, the you know the number of times he'd sort of you know he he left Wrexham and then he went back to Wrexham, and then he went to Chelsea. I, you know, I, I, to, it's fascinating to think that he left Liverpool to go back to Wrexham for a good number of years and then went back, you know, went to Chelsea again, you know, so the level of what Wrexham and, and the game, you know, the, he was playing at um, just shows where the Wrexham was at the time as well. But it, he, he was a Liverpool fan, boyhood fan. So of course he wanted to play for them. I was just gutted uh, that I never really got to see him. I, I was too young. I think I really started following them sort of almost like the year after he left maybe two years after he left um and so i never really got to sort of know him as a as a footballer for did you never did you never see him for wales 
no. Well, oh, well, I mean, I would have. Yeah, I would have seen him. Uh, yeah, sorry, on on screen, but I never saw him live or anything like that. Oh, okay. But but also, I didn't really know him as a Liverpool uh, player. I, I only know him legacy-wise as a Liverpool player. Okay, yeah, yeah. But 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 the fact that you know he you know he, he left. I think, of course, he was always going to struggle against the likes of, um, uh, uh, you know, an up-and-coming youngster called Alan Hansen and yeah, things like that, you know. Yeah. So, you know, and that's not a bad person to be, uh, oh, you, yeah. know, you know, you know, to be pipped. But, you know, he, he was he was brilliant. And, you know, but passion, commitment, everything that you want for, for your national side. And then he obviously showed that, you know, several times for Wrexham. Uh, and, then, and then just to be able to reapply that commitment and passion and stuff in a, in, in a, in a coaching level and a support, you know, as part of backroom staff, you know, it's, it's that, that level of experience, you cannot, you know, underestimate and to have somebody in, in, in the Wrexham changing room when Brian Flynn, you know, it, it, I, you would have, it would have inspired, you simply would have inspired anybody in that team just to think like, this is the guy that, you know, was treble chasing in the seventies or whatever. And, you know, won the European cup, you know, that aren't, he was the first Welshman to win the European cup, yeah, you know, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. so, so yeah. that, that, that just, you know, for me, yeah, absolute legend status. Well, just so you don't get all the, the stick, Jamie, I also did my top 10 before this and I'll read you out my top, I'll read you out my top 10, shall I? So at number 10, I agree with you, Lee Trundle, absolutely. I put Darren Ferguson at number nine. I put Brian Flynn at number eight. I put Dixie McNeil at number seven. I put Andy Morell at number six. At number five, I put Paul Mullin. Uh, that's how, that's how far away at the moment I think he is top of the tree. Don't get me wrong, he's done some incredible things, but in my eyes, compared to the other players on this list who have spent a long time, uh, you know, with with their careers with Wrexham and doing things for Wrexham, he is at the he's at the start of his Wrexham journey still for me. Even though he's done this some incredible, astounding things, and all I can see is just great things for him. So, like you said, Jamie. It's going to happen, I think, at some point that he will move up, up up this list. But at number five, I put Paul Mullin. Gary Bennett at number four, so I agree with you there. I put Mickey Thomas at number three, and then I completely agree with you on the last two. Carl Connolly at number two. And for me, there was only ever one person at the top of that list, and that is Joey Jones. As you rightly say, he is, it epitomizes for me, Wrexham. Not just because of his playing, his passion, but you look at him whenever there were stuff on camera where he's taking the mickey, and he's uh, taking the mickey out of other players and the practical jokes he used to play. If anybody embodies somebody who should have been born within the the, the you know the vicinity of Wrexham Town and should call himself somebody from Wrexham, it is absolutely him. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think if uh, if if um, if there's any plans to, like I say, build any statues on the new cop, then uh, a Joey Jones statue with that. Iconic fist in the air Absolutely. is uh, will we'll get my vote, but um, I'm quite surprised actually. We're not we, we weren't as far away as uh, as, no, as no, I thought no, uh, no, we, no. we would be, and, and, to, be and to be to be honest, yeah, go on, go on. No, go on. I was just going to say, and to, to be honest, it's um, it's 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 such. I, I sat there when you sent me this to, to look at it, and I was like, you sod. I was like, I'm it's, not doing this. It's difficult, but it's it's such an interesting debate, and it would be interesting to, to obviously hear people's opinions because it's 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 you know they're they're all you know led use that word loosely, but they're all legends, aren't they? In 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 some way, and they will all they've all got their place. 
Um, but but yeah, it's nice to know that um, if if any abuse is uh, forthcoming, that it's coming to both of us. It was cool. it's a, it is an interesting debate. We could almost call it the mass debate. But that that can't be used again because if <laughs> if, if, if because, because because ultimately, right? What we've got to be careful of is we can't mention anything about Rising Week. Dad's coming back from the toilet, and then that stupid thing you've just played. Not together. That's just wrong. That's just wrong. May the 27th, 2006. Wales were playing Trinidad and Tobago in a friendly at the Libia Gak Stadium in Graz, Austria. The match was organised as a warm-up for Trinidad and Tobago's World Cup as they'd reached the finals in Germany that year. With John Toshak in charge, the Wales side contained Danny Gabidon, James Collins, Simon Davis and Joe Ledley. Trinidad and Tobago had Wrexham player Dennis Lawrence, ex-Wrexham player Carlos Edwards and ex-Manchester United player Dwight York. In a scrappy match, Wales managed a 2-1 win with two goals from El Matador himself, the acrobatic Robert Earnshaw. This game would have faded into Welsh national history were it not for one substitution. On 54 minutes, David Vaughan was brought off and at 16 years and 315 days, wearing number 17 on his back, Gareth Frank Bale came on to make what was then the youngest Wales debut ever. He could have played for England, but he said he never wanted to play for anyone but Wales and that the English FA did not even contact him personally to try and persuade him otherwise. He has said, my my grandmother is from England, so I had the choice, but I'm from Wales and I'm proud to be so. He made an immediate impact in that game, making some key runs in from midfield and setting up the pass for Robert Earnshaw's second goal. A sterling start, but little did we know on that mild May evening that we were watching the start of one of the major influences ever on Welsh football. Daz, I remember hearing a lot about this wonder kid at the time who'd become this, now what is now the second youngest player ever to play for Southampton uh, the month before. Mm. Who was Welsh, but we didn't know at the time... Did you think at that time that this kid was going to be something special? Well, I I agree. I remember that the you know because we kept hearing about you know the, this left back who who took free kicks, and I was thinking you know who is this kid you know and it's the fact that they can't let this youngster take the free kicks surely you know and and then I, I we just heard all these these you know uh, tales from from Southampton and and games because I wasn't watching those games I wasn't aware of of him but. And but that game, oh, I mean, you know, and then certainly the the next few games afterwards when he got his goal, you know, which was a free kick, and you know how to make an impact, how to sort of uh, uh, make yourself popular to the home crowd. But I had no idea. I mean, left back. I mean, you know, you don't make superstars out of left back. I no, mean, to no. quote somebody else, you know, you don't want to grow up wanting to be Gary Neville and all of that kind of thing. Nobody, no, nobody <laughs> wants to. Nobody sort of grows up as a kid wanting to be one of those positions as much as they're important you know and and, and so I didn't really think anything of it but you know what what a career and 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 but it's the journey isn't it it's that journey from you know from from having come from Wales going to an academy like Southampton which is a great academy clearly mm-hmm. you know that they 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 start your your journey because so many good players and and I'll hold my hand up Liverpool have benefited far too many times from you know picking the pockets of Southampton for 
great um, uh, uh, transfers. But you know, to come through that system, whatever they're doing in Southampton is incredible. Um, well, Two thousand and six was a difficult time, wasn't it? Because we just we just come through the you know we just finished in the Mark Hughes era. You know, we'd had that kind of hope dashed again for the you know goodness knows how many time. Uh, Toshak was in charge. You could see that it, the cupboard was bare. You know, we were we we had a bunch of players who yeah, were okay, but there was nothing kind of super duper. You know, we'd lost the well. You know, we although we had you know, gigs and things like that, we we'd lost the kind of the 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 previous kind of spine of really really top world top class players, and you are kind of going, well, where are we going with this now? You know, Toshak's come back and he's. He's, you know, he he'd had the time of being a pundit and said, "Oh, I could probably do better," and then had stepped into those boots. and And I remember watching that match and thinking, "He's he's bringing on a sixteen year old. What's he doing?" Yeah, and and but I I think I think we've all you know subsequently realised the master plan was perfect though you know the the fact that he was bringing youngsters through he was embedding them into the senior team and 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 for somebody like like Bale to have played alongside. You know, a, a Bellamy, uh, uh, a Gabidon, a Hartson, a Giggs. You know, they, these are you know great Welsh passionate f- footballers, um, and for them, for them to, for him to be part of that squad at a young age. Um, but um, you know, I, I think there was you know this jury was still out even at that stage that whether or not he could um, uh, survive the grueling nature of, of top flight football. He was regularly getting injured. He was regularly getting knocked about. Um, but but Southampton and then ultimately Tottenham, you know, they 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 did install in him some sort of regime where they you know beefed him up a bit and allowed him to at least be able to survive. But you know, there was a point I think at one, you know could he actually make it was a real real concern. Well, Gareth Bale was born in Cardiff uh, on 16th of July 1989 to Frank, a school caretaker, and Debbie Bale, an operations manager. He attended Eglis Nowith Primary School in Whitchurch, and it was while at this school that he first came to the attention of Southampton at the age of nine, when he was playing in a -a six-a-side tournament with his first club, Cardiff Civil Service. Bale attended Whitchurch High School in Cardiff, and he was a keen athlete. He played football alongside future Wales rugby captain Sam Warburton. He also played rugby, hockey and excelled at athletics. As a 14-year-old, he says that he ran the 100-metre sprint in 11.4 seconds, which is an astronomical time for the 100-metre sprint. Because of his superior footballing skill, the school's PE teacher, Gwyn Morris, had to write special rules which restricted Bale to playing one-touch football and not using his left foot. Daz, you are very familiar with Whitchurch High School, which is nationally renowned for producing sporting excellence. Not only did Gareth and Sam Warburton, but also Tour de France winner Garrett Thomas was educated there. What do you think they do to nurture this talent effectively as opposed to other schools in Wales? Oh, you're asking. <laughs> um, my honest opinion, I think it's fluke. I think it's just luck. Really? I think, wow. Yeah, I don't, I don't think, I don't think this... Oh. <laughs> I, to have, yeah, but to have three people. I know, I know, but they're three different disciplines. I don't think there's anything in the water. I don't think there's anything that they do at the school. I don't. I, I just think it just, was. Can fluke, I just get but... this right? How many of your children went to Winter High? None. Oh, I thought I thought some of them. Did. No, 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 no. Oh. They're they're the neighbouring school, and hence oh. why I I I'm oh, I'm struck. Personal bias. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Of course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> my my kids go to a Welsh medium school. This this you know, which which was the English medium school, and 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 our local rivals. So, um, 
yeah, I can't endorse the fact that, you know, but 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 no, but genuinely, no, and without bias, without bias, I I think it was, I think I think it was coincidence. I do think it was coincidence, but but they, you know, they did the right things though. They did allow them to flourish and and sort of support them, and didn't curb or restrict or um, because you know there's 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 you know speaking to people, I I literally live around the corner from Gareth Bale's parents, and 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 I know tales and stories of people saying like you know um it, he uh wanted he what he was getting he was being offered contracts for places like southampton and, and other places were interested but but the fact that he always said but i still want to play with my mates and i know for a lot of aspiring footballers one of the first things they they stop you doing is if you get a, a potential contract at, at a young age is that they say they can't play with their mates at the local level at saturday mornings or whatever at the risk of injury or re- risk of of potentially jeopardizing whatever investment that club is doing so he said but the I think that as a family, they said, no, 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 I, I will play with my mates. It's about playing. I love playing the game. and I love playing with friends. And I think that that can only, you know, you can only see that echo throughout his career that it was, it, he enjoyed the game so much. There was no way he was not going to be playing with people, you know, his mates and the people that he wanted to play with. Well, on the 7th of October, 2006, Bale became the youngest ever goal scorer for the senior national team, scoring in a match versus Slovakia. What would become a signature goal in his career? He scored an over-the-wall free kick kick as the only goal in a very disappointing 5-1 loss at the time. But it was a real kind of shining moment in what was a fairly poor game during Tosh's Wales rebuilding phase. Unfortunately, Gareth Gott was injured not long after that game and was away from the national side until about October 2010, where he returned in a World Cup qualifier versus Finland. And four days later, he played a part in Wales' final World Cup qualifier by setting up David Vaughan to score in the opening goal against Liechtenstein and won the free kick that led to the second, which was Aaron Ramsey's first goal at senior level. Jamie, from his return in 2010, do you think Gareth represented a new spirit in the Wales national side? I think he did. I I don't think we necessarily knew it at the time, but uh, with with how his career played out from his Welsh career, certainly, we're talking about that specifically for a minute, how it played out after that, I I think, yes, for, for, for sure. Um, you know, I don't, I, I don't think at the time, I don't think any of us quite realised what, you know, w- what exactly Gareth Bale was about and, and and what he was going to, you know, how how important he was going to become to 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 the Welsh national team. Well, from then on, Gareth went on to score some vital goals for Wales over the next few years, including scoring both goals for Wales in a two-one victory over Scotland in the twenty fourteen World Cup qualifier, and both goals versus Andorra to save our blushes in twenty fifteen followed by a vital header versus Cyprus to win 1-0 and put us on the brink of qualification for our first championships in nearly 50 years. He finished that campaign with a goal versus Andorra at home to seal the Euro 2016 qualification once and for all. Wales were imperious in Euro 2016 and at that championship we reached the semi-finals and with help from, as usual, our talisman Gareth Bale, who scored three goals and became the face of Wales for that tournament. Daz, do you think that this is when Gareth really became the leading Welsh player in many fans' eyes? Um, I think he was... No, I think he was already there. I think he was already there. But what he did, and I think this is probably the way, way, what you're thinking, I think is is that on a world stage, he generated a charisma, a confidence, and, and a... Um, an attitude that that sort of um an attitude that was 
seen by the world media, by the European media, by you know particularly the fact that you know the the encapsulated that spirit of what would what it was like to be in the Welsh camp, and and I think he was he was more eloquent than anybody could expect. The fact that he japed and joked about the idea of like you know you know not many people would get in the Welsh side you know from the England team or or whether you know there was only the Welsh you know only the Welsh dragon on my shirt is all I need to play. You know it's that spirit and did it in such a public forum, as in press conferences at one of the biggest tournaments in the world, you know, that's what elevated him to a statesman rather than just being that talisman. Cause he was already there. He, you know, we knew what he meant to us as a team. We knew what he meant to all the other players and, and how all the other players benefited off him. But I, I just think what he achieved as a statesman um, was completely cemented in that tournament. I mean, I think for me is we'd had so many years of great players not just great players for Wales, but great players worldwide. The likes of, you know, Ian Rush, Mark Hughes, Dean Saunders, uh, Ryan Giggs. You know, all these players who never made it to the world stage to show actually what they could, you know, how they could play and how they could represent their country. I think for having somebody like him represent us, and he was a fan. You know, when you listen to him, particularly like you say in press conferences where he's asked the question, you know, what, um, you know, what, uh, what do you need to, to sort of spur you on to take on England? And as you rightly said, he said, the dragon on my shirt, that's all I need. That's what every other fan, every other Wales fan would say. It's not about mind games. It's not about sports psychology. It's about, I just play for the badge and that's it. Everything else is, is irrelevant. And that for me sort of kind of cemented, as you say, his, legendary status in Welsh football. Yeah, and but I also think that he, he knew with the, the press were goading him for the fact that he could have played for England, and I think a lot of them would have hoped he had played for England, because you know, why wouldn't you want to play for the better team, you know? And it, it, it's it's that, it's it's not that, I, I, I have to be, I have to correct many people who think I dislike England, you know? I don't dislike England football, I, I, I wish them good luck and everything, but it's the English press and the way that they build up the team and, and, and how they, you know, the, the, oh, that's another conversation for another day but but the fact that they were goading him in those interviews to going like well you know what, what is it like about being playing for Wales as if it's some such a provincial such a you know a twee thing to do you know aren't you doing a nice thing for your country and I was just thinking like you know no he was going I'm here to, to join my mates, play for my country, wear the badge and achieve and play together and do, you know, and, and, and as a sum of parts, he brought them together. I mean, I, I, of course, he's our talisman and had been for such a long time, but there were other players in that team, but all of them just elevated their game when they knew they were playing around him. And I just think that just shows you the make. I think Croatia is a perfect example of, of like Modric now, does the same thing for them you know a world-class player and then everybody else's game is raised because they're playing with somebody so good and i think wales has just been doing that for quite you know for, for, for all these years everybody wanted to be alongside bale and wanted to achieve because he was doing so much for the team you know it just raises everybody's game well i Gareth, think it's it's, oh, sorry. it's just, sorry i was just going to say i think it's it's also worth just just something else on on gareth bale obviously you know, we're focusing uh, quite heavily on his on, on his importance and his significance to the Welsh team, which is you know second to none. Obviously, you know, Dad, you, know you, you guys probably more than me. Uh, I've got more more knowledge on that. But I think as a as somebody that 
I, I like to think I've got a reasonably good understanding of football. One, one thing I would say about Gareth Bale is is his is club career. I think um, you know needs some respect putting on it. Um, I, you know, I think you know we're shining a spotlight on on arguably the greatest Welsh player we've ever seen, and I think what he did at club level um, was. Unbelievable! I think you know, Daz. You said it a few weeks ago. I think you, you, you. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure you said something. You even went as far as saying possibly the best British player we've ever seen. Um, yeah. You know, now, now, I, 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 I struggle to disagree disagree with you on that. And I think if you were picking, if you were picking a, uh, you know, a best eleven British team over the last ten years, if somebody doesn't put Gareth Bale on that team, then they, they need the head seeing to. But you know, I think. You know, Daz, you'll probably be able to to to, um, to reference a little bit more because I know you watch Champions League football more, probably more than than, than Simon does because he's too tight to pay for BT Sport. But um, <laughs> uh, you know, Gareth Bale, in, particularly in a Real Madrid shirt, there, there was a period of probably three or four seasons where he was arguably the best player in the world. You know, he he was responsible for. Uh, Arguably the best Champions League final goal we've ever seen. Yeah, and that's coming from a yeah from a Liverpool fan. Yeah. I agree with you. I and, hate and, that and, moment in every way, and yet love it. And 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 the reason why the reason why I'm mentioning this is I, I know we've gone a little I've gone a little bit off piece here because we're talking from the Welsh perspective. The reason why I've mentioned this is because the the one thing I think about Gareth Bale is I think from a lot of people there was there was a, almost a disrespect to to to, to him. And and what 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 he contributed to the teams he played for, um, and I think you know as as a Welshman, um, I think he deserved at times a bit more respect than than he got. Um, he was a pheno- he was a phenomenal player, phenomenal. Well, Gareth continued to make a major difference, always turning up to play for Wales, even when sometimes it was to the detriment of his domestic club Real Madrid. There was the famous flag. That uh, even more famous than our flag, actually, which said Wales, Golf, Madrid in that order. And he got a lot of stick from the Spanish press, describing him once as a parasite due to the apparent apparent lack of respect for Real Madrid. But all this culminated in a series of results in 2022 for Wales. Two goals versus Austria to get us to a World Cup playoff final and a memorable night at the Cardiff City Stadium where Wales beat Ukraine 1-0. Bale himself taking the free kick, which was deflected in by Yarmolenko, meaning Wales reached its first World Cup finals in over 50 years. Jamie, if getting to the Euros was a big deal, how important was Gareth's contribution to reaching the pinnacle of international football? It it was it was the 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 uh, well, like you said, pinnacle. That's the great. That's the best word, isn't it? I mean, in in our lifetime, in our memory, you know, he uh, maybe it's a bit it's a bit unfair on on the rest of the squad, but he single handedly dragged us there, didn't he? You know, he he his contribution in that campaign and to get us there uh, over a, over a, over a long period of time. Will we ever see anything like it again? I, I don't know. I, I I would be surprised because, yeah, I mean he he when he put that shirt on, everything and everybody around him raised their game, and and you know we pr- pr- produced um you know pr- produced performances and results that that you know a lot of us will 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 remember for for life. I mean, Daz. Would you agree with Jamie? Single-handedly dragged us. You know, it, it takes more than one player to 
to qualify for a, cha- a championship like the World Cup. I, go I, on, I say go that. On, just, say just, it. No, just no, just 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 let me just I, I clarify. I, I think what I'm getting at when I say that is I think my my second point I just said there was I think his his um, attitude, performance, his his uh, his aura. I think caused people around him to raise their games. And I think that when I say single-handedly, I think his influence on the team is what I'm trying to say rather than, I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not being trying to be disrespectful to the other players in the team. No, and I, I get your point. And I, I, I think I agree that, that, that he did, he did instill that sort of iconic sort of mythical sort of, you know, presence that you could clearly see the youngsters were, you know, uh, um, thriving off that. Uh, whenever you hear the youngsters in interviews, you know, they talk about what it's like to be in the Welsh camp and, and they all say what it's like to be around. Now, it's not just Bale, of course. You know, Ramsey's important. Joe Allen was important. You know, back in the day, you know, whether it was Ledley or any, you know, there were other players, but but there was something because he was a Galacticos, you know, because he had achieved by scoring more goals than anybody else for Wales, you know, because he had won so many trophies, you know, not, there aren't, the number of European, you know, there aren't many players full stop in the world to have won as many titles as he did the fact that he won it by providing those winning goals uh, against Liverpool but against Barcelona you know goals where he gets pushed off the pitch and then he just sprints around you know they're, they're all just such memorable goals and you know if you've got a player that was consistently achieving that then then of course it's going to inspire you but I agree with Jamie the the disrespect and and this is where I can I struggle to support Real Madrid or you know no, I don't support them anyway but in terms of if I'm watching a game in Spain and Real Madrid are playing I regularly root for the other team because I just that, that that I don't think they appreciate what they have ever have, no. um, and and at a time when they had the best players in the world, whether you agree or disagree, you know Ronaldo was a great player. Whether he was better than Messi, debate is on. But 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 you've got Ronaldo, you've got Bale, you've got Benzema, and you've got all these great players, and they still don't re- appreciate it. I think you know to the truest extent, um, and the fact that he was able to win them you know, provide such significant goals, assists um, to their, you know, I just think they were, they, they didn't deserve him. I, I do think they don't no. deserve him. But, but when I saw him go back to Tottenham, I thought that was an incredibly interesting move because I just think, you know, that was a club that gave him, you know, the platform that the reason why he went to Real Madrid was because, you know, he scored those goals against, you know, was it three goals, four goals against Milan in the European Cup? You know, it, 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 it was, it, it was, a shop window that that proved himself to be you know world class player, but you know he could have gone to many other clubs. I just love you know it was an interesting decision to go back to the club that made him in that way, Tottenham, and give him the, the, that 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 loan period where he continued again um, prove that he was still world class at the in the Premier League, which is supposed to be the best league in the world. If you know depending on who you're talking to, you know. So I just think that that he is clearly you know incredibly talented naturally gifted footballer but but on top of that hard work positive you know the ethics that he put into it but but then we always get the benefit of that of wales he then brings that back back to the camp and and he wants to achieve he's used to winning so he goes to a, a welsh camp and goes i want to win this is how we win and this is what we've we've all got to do to win but then he does it in such a an amenable such a likable way there's never an interview or there's never um 
uh, as a sort of a, a session where they're training at the at the, at the, the Welsh camp where you don't see him joking with his mates. You know, he's still playing for fun. He's still playing with people he wants to play with, and that's what I like about what he would bring to Wales. And that's where I think the whole Real Madrid thing is very strange. Like he was there for a long time, considering you know for a good amount of that time they didn't want him there, or he felt unwanted, or at least the press well, did, or Zinedine Zidane didn't. You know, so. It, it was a very strange, you know, period for him. I mean, uh, obviously, Wales reached the uh, World Cup finals in 2022, uh, but and this by this point, Gareth had been playing for Wales for 16 years and was heading towards the twilight of his career. Although he did score a penalty in the first match versus USA, this was the only real major contribution he made in that World Cup finals as Wales crashed out with two further defeats, including a humiliating loss to England. On 9th of January 2023, after playing in the Dragon shirt for 111 times over 17 years and scoring 41 goals, Gareth announced his retirement from international football. Having said what you said previously, Daz, are you sad that um, Gareth obviously now fills in his days with playing golf and deflecting questions about joining Wrexham in his playing career. Are you sad that he's not decided to become more of the whale setup like Chris Gunter has? Uh, yeah, well, I, I, sad? I don't know. I'm, I, there's a part of me that thinks, why shouldn't he deserve a break? You know, when you've, when you've, when you've maintained fitness and professionalism continuous at that level i appreciate that a lot of us would love to be able to try and do that but he did it he achieved it i do think that he's earned the right to a break um if we don't see him return to a welsh setup at some point in the future then i'd be disappointed i think he has too much too much to lose in terms of wisdom and 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 experience and and when we we're talking earlier about under 19s but youngsters coming through whether they're even younger than that you know children aspiring under 19s young players players at the early stages of their careers if you then joined a Welsh setup and you knew you would be working alongside the likes of of Gareth Bale then then i th- i think that's a currency you can't by anywhere else, you know what I mean. It's 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 crucial that we get him back. But I think he's earned the right to make whatever decision he wants for the next couple of years. Uh, I just hope it's not for too long. I just hope he does, you know, does join the you know the setup and and it, and 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 just bring to the club, you know, this. And I just think you know because he is legendary. He, he will, you know, he. I, 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 and I, I'll say it again. He is. I genuinely think he's the greatest British player that's ever played. Well, let's, let's, so... let's let's get to this right. So the big question is for the both of you: with all the riches that we have had as a football nation uh, over the last 147 years, is Gareth Bale the greatest Welsh player ever? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with it. I'm gonna say, and I know. You know, uh, there have been greats before, um, and uh, I, I, I can understand that uh, the 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 game has changed, and so if we're talking about the greats from the team of the fifties, um, if we're talking about the team of that nearly qualified in the seventies, you know, there are there have been great eras, and there have been great players in each of those eras, but if if you're saying, you know, I, I just think to be that good amongst other players who are equally that good and still stand out, 
I just think that shows shows his level. Jamie, Gareth Bale, the greatest Welsh player ever? Uh, I'm going to have to disagree. The greatest Welsh player ever was Robbie Savage. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Look, there, there is no debate. Gareth Bale is the greatest Welsh player ever. Okay, I'm going to be the pooper here. I'm going to be the pooper here. There's going to be people potentially who are screaming and saying, I'm sorry, but what about John Charles? Yeah. What about John Charles? And and for me, uh, John Charles is second. And and I, I, I can only base that on the footage that I've seen, the interviews that I've heard of people talk about him, uh, read things about the, his games. You know, I totally understand that a player like him, who was a brilliant centre forward, but then he also was a centre back. Bale played at left back and then as a left wing. He scored goals, he defended, whatever. You know, they've both got those parallels. They went abroad, yes. You know, went to Juventus, one went to Madrid. You know, the, and and but... What, what Charles had to deal with was he was the first. And, and so that would have been incredibly bold and incredibly brave decision at a time when that wasn't the norm. So you can't underestimate that decision. But I don't think uh, that, that, that what I, th- I just think what Bale's managed to do in a team like Madrid at a time when there was all this other you know, the other teams around, but also the other players within that team. And for him to still stand out, be there for such a long time, to have that contribution, win the titles. I just think there's there's the number of trophies you win does have something to say, which is, you know, unfair on some players who have been great players for their club but have never won anything. I understand that, it, it, you know, you can you can be a one-club player and, and not ever have won something, but, you you know, Totti for Roma, you know, somebody like that, you know, incredibly brilliant players who committed and, and had they made a move, gone to a bigger club, would have won the trophies that Bale did. Absolutely. But... I, I just think in, a, in, a, in an environment like Madrid, in a league like the Spanish one, but what he also did for Wales and what he also achieved, as we've already said, I just think that he he's one rung up further than John Charles. Bale up against Anderson here. Still Bale, he's got his goal! Absolutely first class from Gareth Bale. Bale now, second chance, hits it! Goal! 2-1! What a relief! Gareth Bale again! Bale, what a leap! What a goal! What a man! He's done it again! And so we turn off the swanky LED floodlights on another Eat More Chips podcast. The official podcast of one of the greatest Welsh football supporters flags ever seen. If you have enjoyed it, Please support the podcast, like, subscribe and leave a comment as we really like to hear what you say. You can find us now on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts. You can go on our social media such as Twitter at TweetMoreChips or drop us an email, eatmorechipspodcast or one word at gmail.com. Instagram, eatmorechipspodcast and on Facebook, search for the Eat More Chips podcast group. You can leave us a review on whichever platform you're listening on and if you have anything particular you'd like us to discuss, please feel free to drop us a line. My thanks, as always, go to the wise man of West Wales, Daz. Thank you, mate. Christ almighty. And to the only person who'll pay £2,800 for a pair of ski goggles with the word apple on them, Jamie. I love Gambia. (laughs) I love Gambia. I was going to say that, and then I thought, nah.
I'm glad you did. Holding it all together with sticky tape from Poundland, I've been Welsh Techie. And as always, thanks to you for listening. So, until next week, come on Cymru and come on the town. <laughs>